0: Chapter twenty seven of the Randolphs by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twenty seven. What Maria did next. What that girl will do next is more than I can imagine. That was what her brother Tom said as he followed Maria in, looking after her in a dazed kind of way, before he turned to Dr. Preston and his charge. The next thing, she will be responsible for a human life, I am afraid. Dr. Preston said, as he bent with grave and troubled face over the apparently lifeless man. This man has had a fearful shock of some sort. Where is he to be put, Randolph? Whereupon Tom roused himself and gave directions right and left. The doctor looked around him, his eye falling on Dick Norton, who stood waiting and watching. See here, my man, he said, can you do an errand for me? Yes, sir. The promptness of the answer and something in the tone told how eager was Dick to be made helpful. Dr. Preston drew him on one side, and was evidently giving careful directions, watching him meantime with keen eyes to see whether he took the complicated windings of the different errands into intelligent consideration. Dick listened in silent attention until the sentences were concluded. Then he made one solitary observation— "'Do you want me to report on the first errand before I do the others?' "'Yes,' said the doctor, his eyes lighting. "'I do. I had forgotten it.' "'All right, sir,' Dick said, and he was off. "'It was just that little incident that had to do with Dick Norton's future.' "'It was an anxious night to those interested in the family trouble. "'The stranger who had so suddenly come among them was wild with delirium all night.' knew neither his wife, who hovered over him, nor the sleeping boy whom they brought to lie beside him. Both Dr. Preston and Dick Norton spent the night, and by tacit consent it seemed to be understood that Dick was the doctor's special helper. With the morning came a change in hopefulness. The fever was subdued, and the patient quietly sleeping. Dr. Preston came from the room on tiptoe. "'If he is carefully watched and not unduly excited, he will get along without a fever after all, I think,' he said. His pulse seems to be growing natural. Now what is it all about? I was never more suddenly whirled into the middle of a mystery, and put so steadily at work that I had not time to question my way out.' "'What we know of it ourselves can be told in a dozen sentences,' Tom said, whereupon he gave the story as far as his knowledge went." i can guess at some of the rest maria said it seems maggie in her wildness never for a moment thought of such a thing as that the man might come to his senses and hunt for her in their old home she left as suddenly as he did and in the night and has never made known to any of the people her whereabouts what an idea said the doctor i know it but she seems all the time to have been haunted with the idea that he wanted to avoid her and that he would never come in her supposed vicinity of his own will. Tom drew a long sigh. For her sake I don't know whether we ought to wish him to live or die, he said sadly. I suppose there is nothing but trouble in store for her. Maria struggled with her dislike to say a word on that topic, but at last burst forth. As to that, I suppose you will think he is all right, Tom, he is a convert it seems of that man who is preaching every evening down at the fleet street church he says he followed him here dick norton says he has taken part in the prayer meetings or inquiry meetings or whatever you call them every evening done as well as the minister dick thinks she was neither blind nor insensible to the lighting up of both her brother's and the doctor's face thank god they both said speaking in the same breath and the doctor added reverently his ways are certainly not as our ways you are not going home tom said turning to maria and speaking in a dismayed tone yes i am there is nothing for me to do just now the boy and the patient are both asleep and the mother is crooning over them both by and by when there is work to do i can come over again but in the meantime i have some fine ironing that must be done dr preston was one of the people before whom maria liked to parade her fine ironing she went off with a merry good morning and in a most amiable mood the world had righted itself once more and she had come out on top once more she was a person of importance whose rapid and common-sense action had restored the lost child to his mother and the lost husband to his family though she had not planned that part of it The first half of the night had been troubled. Who supposed that the man had a brain to be shocked, or a heart to be overstrained? She had no idea of such responsibility, but the shadow was lifting. Dr. Preston had pronounced him almost out of danger, and she was in a fair way to be a heroine. Not that she used that high-sounding word in her thoughts, not that she realized that she was in any sense working for herself. It was natural for her to plan and perform and it was very fortunate for a large class of people that such was the case can anyone be blamed for liking to be of importance in this world throughout all the duties many and important of that entire day maria carried about with her a sense of satisfaction she was needed yet and there were those who realized it as for maggie how would it be possible for her ever to repay what she had done for her? She was glad that it was not possible. She had no desire to work for pay. Maria certainly had a way of making herself a necessity in the world when she chose to do so. She went back to the Randolph house the moment her fine ironing was disposed of, and in the sick-room not only, but in the kitchen, taking Maggie's place, and in fact everywhere, Her quick wits and willing hands and skilful brain, all on the alert, proved that she was mistress of the occasion, or, as she phrased it, was capable of taking care of herself and several other things at the same time. By evening it was almost transformed from a sick-room to a place of festival. The shock had been a tremendous one, but the man rallied rapidly and drank in the medicine of his wife's face as if it were a draught from the fountain of life. Even Maria, who had supposed herself helplessly his enemy, felt herself warming toward him as she watched his great hungry eyes following every step of his wife, every change in her countenance. And as she took her way home at nightfall, she said complacently, Well, it is a fortunate thing that there is such a refuge as religion for such poor weak wretches as he. I'm sure I'm thankful that he has a strong arm to lean on but as for maria randolph she needs no other arm than her own she did not say that the sound of the words would have shocked her people often think what to put into words would make them blush maria hurried through her preparations for tomorrow's work and treated herself to a fresh white ruffled apron as she sat down to await the arrival of her scholar it was dick norton's evening and his progress of late had been so rapid his improvement so marked, that it had begun to be a source of great satisfaction, not to say pride, to his young teacher. She had exerted herself to the utmost to give him lessons, not only in spelling and writing, but in etiquette, until really among his companions he was a marvel. Tom, too, had begun to notice the decided change in his manners, and had more than once heartily commended Maria for the work she was doing, and had told her that Dick would have occasion to be thankful to her all his life for the help she was giving him now. Maria was very fond of receiving praise from Tom. She was smiling yet over the pleasant thought of being a real and lasting benefit to him, and planning new ways of helping him, when she heard his quick, eager step on the walk. Only an hour later she just sat there where she had been when he knocked, her cheeks and indeed her entire face aflame her eyes unnaturally bright and her whole face working struggling with strong emotions whether wounded pride or anger or dismay or amusement had the mastery it would have been hard to say to think she burst forth that all my planning for him should end in this way oh the idiot what could have possessed him is the world made up of fools and nothing else i never heard of anything so perfectly ridiculously idiotic in my whole life should she laugh or should she cry she felt equally able to do either but she waved both with a sudden spring and gave her energies to getting upstairs and out of sound before tom who seemed to be unusually early to-night should let himself in she was in no mood to talk with him Usually Tom let himself into the house late at night, and out of it early in the morning. It was no small inconvenience often to get away from the Randolph house, but this was his patient concession to his sister's obstinacy. However, the next morning he lingered late in the hope of a talk with Maria. He even knocked softly at her door and waited a moment, but finally thought better of it and went away maria on her part waiting in breathless silence over by the window not choosing to leave her room until she saw him safely around the corner she still had no desire to meet him she was still flushed with an unusual excitement and went about her work with nervous starts as if on the very edge of expected earthquakes there is no telling what may not happen next she muttered as she found herself flushing to her temples simply at the sound of the postman's knock. He brought a sealed drop letter addressed in Tom's familiar hand. "'I've been trying for an hour to get over,' it said, "'but an unusual press of business has held me. "'I tried to see you last night, but failed in making you hear.' "'No, you didn't,' interpolated Maria. "'My dear sister, I know all about it.' Dick came, in his excitement and dismay, directly to me, whom, next to you, he considers his best friend. I know it is absurd, and I hardly see what can have possessed the poor fellow. But he is young, you must remember. He was in great distress, feared that you felt yourself insulted. I comforted him, for, after all, however absurd it may be, a human heart is not to be treated scornfully. He is in dead earnest, poor fellow." "'At least he thinks he is, and his heart is large and honest. "'Of course I made it plain to him the utter folly of such an idea, "'and we will arrange so that it shall not be uncomfortable for you. "'I shall be over during the day if possible, "'and I beg you will not give me the trouble of looking you up. "'Your family, husband and boy, are doing well. "'The doctor pronounces all danger over. "'In haste, Tom.' Maria tore this note into half-inch pieces, and felt like fleeing from the face of the earth, or at least from Tom. But she thought better of it, and presented herself with a very glowing face when he came. It was impossible not to feel horribly embarrassed. Perhaps they did the best thing possible under the circumstances. They both laughed. "'Poor fellow,' Tom said, when the laugh was over." I feel just as sorry for him as possible, but it is absurd. "'How could he be such an idiot?' Maria said with reddening face. "'Well, as to that,' Tom said, "'he is at the age when it is more natural to be foolish than to be anything else, and as for considering you his best friend, I don't know that I blame him, though of course he has been a simpleton.' "'What is to be done next?' "'Maria asked, speaking with evident disgust. "'It set her brother off into another laugh. "'Why, we must send one of you off to that asylum for sick and wounded hearts, I suppose. "'Which shall it be? "'I don't think we ought to appeal to our brother-in-law again, do you?' "'Tom, don't be more absurd than is necessary under the circumstances.' "'Why, I'll try not to be. "'But you see, the circumstances warrant a good deal.' well to be sensible we have plans all perfected i think and i don't know but it is to be the making of the boy you had given him a lift educationally and it is just possible that having tasted he will be on the lookout for more of course he must go where he will not annoy you in fact it is almost time for him to start what a perfectly absurd performance all around do you mean to say that the poor fellow must be caught away from the place where he earns his bread and butter and be smuggled off, because he has made a fool of himself? Well, not quite that. Of course he could stay where he is, but it will be infinitely more agreeable for him not to do so, and he has a splendid opportunity to better himself. He deserves a better place in life than that. Now, upon my honor, I think so. And Dr. Preston is going back to New York this very evening, takes the 515 Express, and he has taken a most remarkable fancy to Dick. So you see, the way is clear. He wants an office boy, and Dick wants with all his heart to be the boy. You didn't tell Dr. Preston? Maria said, her face aflame. Maria, I had to. You see, he burst in upon us in such an astounding way, Dick did, last evening. Preston and I were sitting together, and in he came, and from his incoherent way of talking, and bringing in your name, he actually startled me. I had to take him alone and find out what was the matter, and then I was afraid Preston would think strangely of it all, and I told him, Maria, why do you care? I tell you an honest heart is not an insult, however impossible it may be to have anything to do with it. Of course not, Maria said, but then, pshaw, what a perfectly idiotic performance from beginning to end! And she jerked open the damper and poked her clothes in the boiler with a spiteful air. What are you boiling clothes for at this time of day? Maria, I wish you would give up that thing. It seems as if you might do so much to gratify me. I'm doing so much to keep you and your wife from the poorhouse, Maria said with energy. If you go on in as philanthropic a manner in the future as you have in the past, you will certainly have to depend on me for support. Remember, I heard what your last year's income was. Well, said Tom, flushing and laughing, I can live on it. I shall not run in debt. And as for my wife, I don't think you have ever heard her complain. Why are you working so late? Because I didn't work early. I was worried and vexed and bewildered i am sick of plans anyway i had a good many for that silly boy and there he has gone and spilled them all in the most senseless manner tom help me off with this boiler i'm going to get these clothes hung out before tea they will dry between this and ten o'clock do you lift that great boiler alone when i am not here maria i dislike this plan of yours above all things I could wish that this would be the last boiler full of clothes you would ever touch. Well, it won't be. I expect to touch hundreds of them, and make my fortune and yours too, as I said. Wait a minute, Tom said, with his hand on the boiler. The doorbell rang. I will see who it is. Perhaps you will need to let the creatures boil away for a while while you attend to callers. And he went to the door. I'll do nothing of the kind, muttered Maria i can lift the boiler myself i've done it a hundred times and you can entertain the callers it was one of those little commonplace things that are happening around us every day a hundred times she had lifted that boiler in safety but the hundred and first time she staggered under it her unsteady foot hit against a block of wood that she herself dropped there but a moment before and down she went a slight fall just on the smooth floor and by some miraculous intervention the boiler remained right side up with its scalding contents. It all took place in a minute of time, and Tom was back in the kitchen beholding with dumbfounded face the scene before him. Lift me, said Maria, instead of the boiler. I can't stir. I've hurt my back a little. Just open Father's room and help me in there. I shall have to lie down for a while." and then set that horrid boiler back on the stove as you planned. I believe it was the wicked spirit in you that made all this happen. Oh, I'm not killed. I shall be up in an hour and rinse those clothes out. End of chapter 27